8, 15 to 16, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we may cry, sorry, by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So the Holy Spirit, when you have a relationship with God, when you have a born-again experience, you don't wonder, am I going to heaven? You don't wonder, am I a child of God? The Spirit that we receive testifies with our spirit that we belong to God. And I've tried to show you this um, last week, a simple analogy. I mean, Zoe, she comes, she's born in our family, and, and she has this freedom of access to me. There's no fear in approaching me. See, when I, before I knew Christ, I came to church, but I never knew him. I only came to know Christ at the age of 18. And that's not because you, you, you can know God more when you're older. No, that's a lie. You can be 13 and know God the way I knew him at the age of 18. But what was the difference? The difference is that my perception of thinking of this is what it means to know God was completely false. It was not based on truth. It was based on what I thought it was. But when I was expo exposed to the truth of the gospel, to the truth of the word, then I knew what it means to truly be saved. And then God came to me. You know, the fascinating thing is that when, you, when, you, when it comes to knowing God, it's not that we are thriving to know him. It's that he pursues us. We are known by him before we go to know him. So God, I've shown you before, even in creation, in a general way, he's revealed how big he is, how God he is, so that we may know that he wants us to know him. He's not playing hide and seek and saying, you can't see me, you can't get me. That's not God. God wants us to know him. He desires, that's what the Bible says, he desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of him. So our creator God, he wants his children to know him. But guess who doesn't want you to know God? There's an enemy of our soul and his name is Satan. And he will fight everything that he can. Not so he can not have a successful career. Come on, can I get, a, can I get an amen there? The enemy is not going to fight you so you don't succeed financially. Matter of fact, if that can get you away from God, he will release the resources for you to succeed that way. If we think... The way we can measure godliness or knowing God is about the amount of money that we have in our account. Then the drug cartels are the most godliest people in society because they've got billions and millions of dollars and yet they are way further than God. And the other thing is the double standards that I see in society. For example, recently uh, you might have heard Dwayne Wade, his son, is, he came out as being transgender. He's very young and... And uh, as a father, he made some decisions to, to really support that. I mean, I, I believe in supporting your child, but when there's a, a lifestyle that is wrong, that is contrary to even just logic, you would speak some sense. But that's a decision that he made. But that's not what made me confused. What made me confused are these rappers and artists that all of, all of a sudden uh, became the judge, and then they, became, they began to belittle Dwayne Wade and said, how could you go against what God created? I mean, God is not about that business. Do you know what made me laugh? They, 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 they're using God as the standard, but they themselves always are breaking the same standard. See, just because his 
sin looks a bit different than mine, it does not mean that we have the right to judge someone in the areas that we ourselves are not living. So they've got these rappers promoting every other thing, but there's that one thing they don't agree with and they're quick to point finger. And that's not what we're called to do as society. We are called to live for God and we're called to make him known. And, and it's not about the degrees to what we do. It's about having a revelation of him. You know, one of the things that I've said once is there's this People sometimes, they put only God can judge me tattoos and, and they, that's their motto. You can't judge me, only God can judge me. <laughs> but those very same people, they do not receive and accept the judgment of God. It doesn't make sense to me. All right, okay, God can only judge you and you can only accept the judgment of God. But do you receive God's very own judgment that you're a sinner in need of repentance, that you need to turn away from your sin? You can't affirm one thing and then nullify it by doing another thing. And, and that is the, the thing that has destroyed, especially the millennial generation. We just have come to believe walking with God means you live how you want, you do what you want, you think what you want, you value the values, that whatever you want, and, and you can still affirm, I know God. And this series is about wake up. Let's wake up. Knowing God is clear in Scripture. So you can't say, I'm for the homosexual community. I love them and God is love. Love is love. Let them love whoever they want as the popular notion in society and at the same time say, I love God. We can't affirm one thing and then affirm the, the complete opposite at the same time. <laughs> That's what society that we're living in today. When we go out to evangelism, I always hear, oh, brother, I'm so... Thank you for sharing your faith with me, but that's your truth, and I'll live out my, my truth. And I just challenge him. That's just logically impossible. <laughs> if, if what I'm saying is false, then chuck it away. But we both cannot be right at the same time. But as we, we have believed that there is no such thing as absolute truth. So in our generation, the young generation, we have believed the lie that the enemy has spread out, that truth is relative and whatever you think is true is true it does not work like that God has given us his word I don't even know why I went that, that direction but the Holy Spirit probably wanted to do something with that but he says this the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children if you came to me before the age of 18 and asked me yo yo do you know if you're going to heaven if you die today I would say I have no idea I hope so and there are so many people that live comfortably with I hope so. For me, that should be the most scariest question someone can be asked. Because this goes above and beyond the most important questions of life. Like marriage, who are you going to marry? Career, what pursuit are you going to do? All these things, the most important thing for me, they will all remain here. From dust we come to dust we return. Are you were showing me a comment not too long ago about someone saying how the rich and the poor share the same size casket at the end? It doesn't matter if you have a billion dollars or like me, you have just a few, few thousand dollars. It doesn't matter what you have. We're going to be sharing the same size hole in the ground. And guess what? We're all going to stand before a holy God. So what should bother you the most is not all of those important questions that need to be answered, but the most important question. Do you know where you're going after you pass away? 
And if you think, young people, that you are untouchable, that you have control of your own life, I, I just laugh at the people that are famous and they've got 17 security guards like as a bubble around them. So wherever they walk, they think they're protected by that. But that security guard cannot protect you from a heart attack. So, so our life is not in our hand. And, and, and there are people that are always, every day, there are millions worldwide that are passing away. So the most important question you should be asking and I should be asking is, do I know God? Do I know God? And what Paul is saying, the spirit that we received when we are born again testifies with our spirit. Do you know when I received Christ, that became a question that I never asked again? Whether God, I was a child of God, whether I was born again, whether I will be going to heaven or be with him. That was never an issue after that. Why? Because the Holy Spirit flooded my heart. In the darkness, light came. And Jesus cleansed me of all of my filth, my unrighteousness, my sins were taken upon the cross. And his righteousness was credited to my account. It's like the judge calling you to the courtroom and saying, I know, I know that you're guilty. I know that you have committed all these crimes and you deserve the death penalty. But I take that charge away from you and I place it on Christ because it's been paid in full by him. And that is the greatest news that we can have is that we have salvation. The Bible is clear. There is no other name under heaven to which man can be saved. Acts chapter 4, but by the name of Jesus. That is why we preach Christ. That is why we live for Christ. That is why we're unashamed in regards to our faith in Christ. 1 John 5, 13. I write these things to you. By the way, if you want to study what it means to know God, 1 John is the book that you need to go to. 1 John chapter, chapter, the whole 1 John is just a book about testing yourself. Okay, you claim to be a Christian? Well, this is what it means to be a Christian. And, and he's writing in response to these Gnostic uh, people, false teachers that believed uh, in Gnosticism that were teaching that it doesn't matter how you live, you can sin, you can live a sinful lifestyle, and, 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 and that God already has forgiven you of your sin, so it's not going to matter. And they, they elevated themselves to a point where they even believed they can never sin. They said you can grow in your salvation to the point where you can never sin. So everything that you do is not sin. It's not considered a sin. I mean, weird teachings that were going on. So John, the apostle John that walked with Christ, he brought this letter by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to show them what does it mean to walk with God. But in, towards the end of his first letter, this is what he said. I write these things to you, all of these things that I wrote to you, to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. God wants you to know that you have eternal life, not so you can guess, not so you can wonder, but so you can be confidently assured. And that is the promise of Scripture, to know God, to be in a relationship covenant with God, to have peace with God, as Romans chapter 5 says it, is not because you stop sinning. Hello? Is not when you say, I'm going to stop this, and I'm going to stop that, and I'm going to stop this. That's works-based salvation. It doesn't work with God. To know God initially, it is by faith and faith alone. We forsake our way, and we put our trust and confidence in God. By the way, when it comes to the issue of trust, I'll teach this in another time, but the ultimate way that we can know that we 
we know him is that we trust him. For example, um, someone can come to you and say to you, uh, I want to get to know you. What is your name? And you can give them you know, certain information about yourself. But the level to which you open up and go deeper into revealing who you are is on the basis of how much you trust that person. So in any relationship where there is trust, you are more free to share the issues of your heart. Where there is no trust, it doesn't matter how much uh, eager I am to know my wife, for example, if she does not trust me, she will not expose certain parts of her life. Well, in the same way, God wants us to know that he's the most trustworthy person that we can ever encounter. So when we trust him, when we say things like his ways are higher and we go to him, that's the intimate relationship that God wants to have with you and I, to know that he's trustworthy. If a human being can have a capacity of trustworthiness, how much more with the creator of the universe? He is trustworthy. So when he says that we have access to him, is to know that we are not, God is not distant, but he wants us to trust him and be in a covenant relationship with him. God wants you. That's, that's going to free someone this, this morning, this afternoon. God wants you to know that you have eternal life. Amen? Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 to 10. So Paul lists a bunch of things in his former life before Christ, what he prized as the most important possession. He named it. I mean, I was born on the, on, you know, in a Hebrew of Hebrews. I mean, I was circumcised, as the law says, on the eighth day. I mean, you name it. As for my education, I was under Gamaliel, which was the most profound teacher of that time. I mean, I had it all, in other words. If you, by the standards of the world, will classify this is what it means to be successful, to be famous, to be known at that time, in that culture and context, he said, well, that was my position. And then he said this, but whatever were gains, plural, the Greek word there is plural, whatever were gains to me in my former way of life, I now consider them, for, uh, I now consider loss singular. The Greek word there is singular. So there were gains, but now they're just one thing for me. They're loss. <laughs> Can you see that? Because that's why when you do word studies, you see these things. There were gains. All of these things were really important to me, but now they just mean one thing to me. They're loss. Why? For the sake of Christ. What is more? I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing, so that I found something greater, in other words, of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Do you know who's speaking this? This is Paul, who thought he knew God and was doing the work of God. This is not me saying it. He said it in his own words. I thought I was doing the work of God persecuting the Christians. He thought as a Pharisee, he was eradicating the most heinous people of the world. He, was, he thought that he was getting rid of what was the problem of society until the God that he thought he knew revealed himself to him. And when he revealed himself to him in Acts chapter 9 on the road to Damascus, what 
he thought he saw, he found that he was really blinded in. And God blinded his eyes. There's a spiritual significance in that. He blinded him to show him the spiritual condition of his heart. And he knew when he was blinded, he began to really see. He said, who are you, Lord? And he said, why are you persecuting me? By the way, that's an encouraging thing right there. Paul was not persecuting Christ. He was persecuting those that belong to Christ. But do you know by implication what Jesus is saying there? When you touch those who are mine, you touch me. That's a, way, that's a reason to just shout. If we're in the black American African churches, you will do this dance that they just do right there. That's a, that's a place to praise God. No matter what you do against me, you're not, just, we, you're not just, you know, you're not facing me, you're touching him. That's, that's comforting. That I know I don't need a security guard of an army around me to walk wherever, wherever I go, as, as David said. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I know that your rod and your, and your staff, they comfort me. That you are my shepherd. I will not fear. I will not want. I will not be afraid because you are with me. Who needs a bunch of people when you got the king of kings by your side? But when Paul had a revelation of who Jesus truly was, he had that encounter that changed him forevermore. What is it that caused him to give up everything that was of worth and to say, I found the one thing. It's, that, it's what that rich man could not do. And Jesus looked at him, the Bible says, and he felt sad. He felt sorry for him. The Bible says he loved him, but he failed to see that Jesus was of worth more, surpassing, uh, uh, he was a surpassing worth of knowing Christ than his riches and his wealth. But that rich young man, he found his riches and wealth more valuable than knowing Christ and therefore walked away in his condition of bondage. But for Paul, he said, what were gains is now like rubbish because of knowing Christ. What makes someone give up everything? The ability to know Christ. He said this, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. That word garbage in the Greek is the same word for manure. <laughs> so poo, poo, if you don't know what manure is. That's, that's what he's saying. I compare it to that. He's saying my old way of living, the things I, I prized, the thing that was most important to me, now when my eyes are open, it's comparing it to like manure. That I may gain Christ and be found in him. Listen to this, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. So I can't have my own righteousness. It's credited to me. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Is this your heart, young person? Is this your heart, young adult? He said, I want to know Christ. I've tasted him, but eagerly I wait to know him. Dr. Mamusha was teaching on this, and he said something profound that touched me and left an impression on me. Have you ever been swimming? I know it's, uh, I ask this question because Africans don't, and swimming don't go in the same sentence. But, but I would like to think that there's hope in this, in this generation. Has anyone been swimming? Put your hand up. Can swim? That's another question altogether. Can anyone swim? swim? All right. Me, I, I, I swim. I can swim, okay? But I'm not going to hype myself up because I don't want you to test me. All right? <laughs> So I can swim, but I can't do laps. I get puffed out. I can swim. I can float. I can swim. But, but have you ever done 50-meter uh, lap? 
Yeah, you've done 50 meter lap. I mean, I would go into a 50 meter pool, one lap, I'm, I'm gone. I don't know how these people do 50 laps. I don't get it. I don't understand it. They might have an ex extra lung. I don't get it. <laughs> but I get puffed out. I'm, 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 I'll, literally, if I don't hold on to something, I'll be drowning at that time. Okay? So, but have you ever reached a 50 meter line and you've touched it and you've thought to yourself, I've arrived. I've, I've got it now. I mean, I've done my 50 meters. Or when I was young and we we're doing um, swimming lessons in, in primary school to teach us to, to be brave in the deep end, they'll take us to a three meter pool or something and they'll chuck toys. Or two meter pool, they'll chuck toys or that, that sink to the bottom. So our job was to go dive underneath and grab it. And I remember doing that, oh, you're so excited, but you touch the bottom and you get excited. You're like, yes, I did it, I accomplished this. That's all there is to conquering this thing. But Paul says, something. Can you quickly go to it? Emma, I'm going to give you a homework right now, but I just want you to quickly see this um, because this is what I believe Paul is seeing. Let's go to um, uh, Ephesians, okay? I'm trying to think of Ephesians chapter, Galatians, Ephesians. So I'm reading in my mind. Okay, Galatians, Ephesians. All right, that's how I figure out my scriptures. All right, Ephesians chapter 3. Start from verse 16 up to verse 19, 16 to 19. Can we read this? Because this is so important. We can, after this, I'll share with you one more thing. We'll finish it for today here. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's, the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. And, and he was teaching on that, Dr. Mamusha, and he said, it's like swimming uh, a 50-meter pool. You know, when you, when you swim to a 50-meter pool, you'll be like, oh, I've, I've reached. I know what it means to love God. I've arrived. But do you know what Paul is saying here? The depth of the love of God has no 50-meter marking to it. It's an endless line. The, 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 sorry, the distance. The depth of it, it's not something like a three-meter pool. You can walk with God and say, oh, I know what it means to be a Christian. There's nothing more to discover in God. I know my New Testament. I know my Old Testament. That's all that there is. And then you've just arrived and you stop there. No, no, he's saying you'll never reach it. That's what Paul is saying in Philippians. Yes, I've tasted him. I know him a little bit. He wrote 13 letters of the New Testament. But he said, I want to know Christ even more. Friends, there is a depth to God that we can never reach. There is a depth in a relationship with him. It's not about saying, I know what it means to pray. I know what it means to be baptized. I've checked those things off. There's nothing else for me to discover. No, you can go deeper in knowing him. And Paul is saying that I've, I've treasured all of these things, but knowing Christ, I treasure more. Last verse that I'll read for you. Let's go to 1 John 5.20 in the Amplified. 1 John 5.20. And we have seen and know 
by personal experience the son that the son of god has actually come to this world and he has given us understanding and insight so that we may progressively and personally know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his son jesus christ this is the true god and eternal life god wants us to know him personally God wants you to know him personally. Let's go to, just because I need to share this point quickly. 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. So last week I shared with you, that was the first point. The second one was the test of our relationship with sin. 1 John 3, 9. John said this. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. So that is one test that we can ask yourself. Number one was that we can, number one was that we have this confidence, this assurance that God is, I am the child, I'm a child of God, that he, he is my father. I can call him Abba. I have access to his room. I have access to the throne room of God. I know he sympathizes. He understands me. The Bible says in Hebrews, we have not come like Moses to a mountain that we tremble and fear to, but we have come to Mount Zion. We don't need to fear like the fear that people had in the book of Exodus. Do you know that? When Moses went up to speak to the Lord, they trembled and they said, we don't want to speak to him. Moses, you go on the mountain, you get the message, come down and tell us, we'll obey. They were terrified because there was lightning and there was thunder up on the mountain. And when Moses would communicate with God, they saw the glory of God manifest. Part of the problem, we don't honor the presence of God as a generation because we have lost touch with the glory of God. The glory of God, the Shekinah weights of God. That weight of his presence of knowing how big he is and how God he is. They saw on the mountain the lightning flashing, thunders roaring, and they were terrified. They shook and they said, we will not go up to the mountain to him. So in Hebrews, Jesus changes the game. Jesus comes and he becomes sin for us. And he was slain as the perfect sacrifice. And now, Moses is not our mediator. Now, Christ is the person that mediates for us. And now, we don't go like Moses to a mountain that we tremble and fear. We go to a mountain like Zion where we come in joy. Amen? That is the difference. And, and, and God wants us to know him. But here, John is saying, no one. This is a way you can test yourself. No one who is born of God. That means who's had a genuine Holy Spirit uh, encounter and been transformed in salvation. Reborn again. There's only two types of people in the world. Those who are born once and those who are born twice. No other people in group in the world. It's not about religion. It's about are you born again? Jesus said you must be born again. Unless you are born again, you cannot come to the kingdom of God. So we must be born again. In saying those who are born of God, that means this being born of God is not a work of man. It's not about a pastor praying for you. It is a work of God and the power of God by the Spirit of God. He, he takes a sinful man, he takes the darkness of our heart and he floods it with light. And just like Paul said to the Corinthians, in the beginning, the earth was void. Darkness existed. And then God said this, let there be light. 
Do you know what Paul compares that to, Emmanuel? He said, that's the same encounter that you had when you were born of God. It's as if in the darkness, God's light shone. Isn't that powerful? You were empty. You were void. You thought there was nothing in you. But when God's light came, it brought life to you. That's what Paul compares salvation with. And this is his argument, and I'll stop it here, and I'll continue it next week. I don't want to rush it. Is that all right? Let's take time and learn and understand. And he said this, no one who is born of God will continue to sin. That word continue, it means habitually living a lifestyle of sin. It is impossible to say, I know God, and intentionally, continuously sin and have nothing and have that not affect you in any way. John is saying, you're deceived. You don't know him. Because one of the things that the Spirit of God does when he comes into our life, he brings light. I'll never forget it. My theological uh, teacher in Bible college, he explained holiness like this. He said, holiness is in a dark room, let's just say pitch dark, um, you can't see anything. Yeah? So that's, that's darkness. Let's just say that's sin. And, and if you were to bring in that dark room, even the most dim light, it would reveal something to you. So use this analogy. Let's just say we're in a dark room and I bring a small dim light and I show you what you're wearing. You'll begin to see certain markings on your clothing. And you'll say, whoa, I didn't know that I had this dirt on me. That's what happens when God's light comes. But as you walk with him, the light gets brighter. And the light exposes areas. That's why when I first came to the Lord, I, I, did, like, I, mind, I, I didn't mind doing certain things, but then I knew some things hurted the, you know, that was sin, so I would stop that. But the more I walked with him, I even was cautious about what I say, what I think, the more you understand. And he said, holiness is this, when the light gets brighter in your life. And what you didn't see in the former light, you now see in the current light. And as the light gets deeper and as the light gets brighter, you begin to see stains that you didn't see in the former light. And I pray that this message has blessed you. And, and he went on to say, they cannot go on sinning because there's the seed of God in them. Next week, I want to continue because this is very important. I want us to understand this. Our generation is going astray because we don't understand this. But when you have understanding, that's when freedom comes. When you know the truth, the truth shall set you free. And I'll continue in what it means to, 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 to live as a Christian. What is the, the, the tension that we have with sin? I will give you principles from the word that will bring freedom to you. Does that mean you're, you're as a Christian, we don't sin? Does not mean that. <laughs> but I'll teach you next week what John is trying to say here. Is that all right? So let's stand up and let's